Greetings to you. Welcome. It's Sports Talk on Thursday. I am Scott Beatty and Lauren Tate is in the house as well. We have you for the first hour and then uh, we'll swap it out. And Evan Kahn is in for hour number two. Some golf talk coming up. Our guy Rory Spears, Chicago golf coverer, reporter, what have you, and he's been on with us a few times to discuss college golf and, of course, majors. The open first round is done, so we'll get some thoughts from him. Next hour, Matt Fortuna with a look at college football and the realignment scenarios as well as we start to make our way towards full-on talk season and then training camps and then actual football games. So Matt Fortuna will join us as well. Lauren Tate, great to see you, sir. Great to be here. We have good news to start with. I'll Yesterday, say. you may not have uh, noticed much or thought much about it, but the headline in baseball was the Kansas City Royals were going to be without 10 players in their series against Toronto because they were all unvaccinated, and that means call-ups for the Royals and that includes former Illini Michael Massey. He is on the roster. He is in Toronto. He is not in the lineup, but he is there for this weekend's series. What a rise he has had in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, he's been, he, he's been on the verge of deserving it anyway based on how well he's been hitting, and, of course, he's an excellent fielder. So the problem is, of course, it's got to be second base. That's the only position he's played that I know of. Now, you say he has played third a few times, that they're trying to move him around a little bit to make him – more, you know, make it a better situation in case the third base comes open. He, as far as I can tell, um, he is the first position player from a line position player to debut in the big leagues. Well, let me let me clarify possibly debut in the big leagues since Chris Robinson, who was a catcher, mm-hmm. and he did it with the Padres in 2013. The line had several pitchers, yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm can't think of another position player that's made it to the show since Chris Robinson and Kyle Hudson before him in in sort of the recent decade. So uh, don't know if he'll get in in a pinch hitting uh, situation today or over the series or if he'll get in the lineup. He's a left-handed bat. That all depends. But it is so strange to me. It occurs there's some level of irony that this godforsaken virus that stopped everything two years ago including baseball, and then um, has just disrupted so many lives and so mm-hmm. many things, and in a roundabout way opportunities <laughs> has given somebody a dream. Yeah. And however you get there, you get there. You know, I mean, I'm sure if you fought it up in your head, well, I'm going to hit well and I'm going to earn my, you know, I'm just going to work my way up and I'd you don't want to get called up just because some guys aren't vaccinated and we just need some somebody to fill out a uniform. But he's going to the show, and um, he's a great guy, great family, great infielder, great ball player, sweet swing from the left side. Sure is. He's got yep. some power now, and I wish him all the best. I really do. And uh, I've been told his family is up. They've made the trip up to Canada. Can you imagine the pride of uh, – 
uh, parents and siblings and what oh, have sure. you must be feeling if they absolutely see their son out there in the big league uniform. It's been a long, tough pull. It has. <laughs> so congratulations. That's a, that's good news to start things out. Uh, meanwhile, there's not a whole lot else uh, huge in the headlines for us today, um, other oh. than the open. Oh well, now wait a minute. This is a bombshell in Sports Illustrated. Well, I, mean, I see. I see what you're saying an here. Incredible story. Yeah. By Pat Forty, but I mean, you, if you want to go over the open first, I mean, Tigers what six over and and uh, you know it's just the first day of the open. By the way, that is. That is an amazing to watch those huge green. Well, you've got 60, 100, 100 foot putts. I mean, it's just. Yep. I mean, and they're putting from off greens. I mean, it's just incredible. The, the 400 the yard drives because it just rolls and yeah, rolls. It rolls 100 yards. Hey, any way it gets there, right? Yeah. Just like we talk about getting to the big leagues. No, I. Sorry, I was uh, talking more about the actual competition headlines when I said mm -hmm. news. No, you know. But you're talking about a major article that well, Pat Forty has written. Yeah, this will just be a this will be a bombshell all across the country because it involves all 69 schools that are in the uh, what will be in the Power 5. I say 69 now because you know that now that uh, Houston and Cincinnati and and uh, BYU and well BYU is already a, an independent, but now they'll be going into the Big Twelve. So anyway, there's 69 schools, and they rank them. Uh, Forty did based on football uh, ranking, their academic ranking, all sports. That's all the other sports, football attendance, and TV viewership. Those five factors. They're calling it the desirability yeah. rating. Of a and school. The ones at the bottom you might call the undesired because and that's where Illinois is. It's unbelievable. They're 59th out of 69 schools in this, and uh, they rank 66th out of 69 in football, 18th academically, 50 in all sports, 59 out of 69 in attendance, and 58, tie for 58 for TV viewership. So um, the number one schools are number one is Ohio State, number two is Michigan. Overall, and then a 13 of the 14 top schools are from the Big Ten and the SEC, and the one that isn't is Notre Dame. So those four, the 13 Big Ten and SEC, and then four, uh, Notre Dame, which is right in there with them. And then, uh, of course, I've got the full list here. But after Notre Dame, Washington is the number one team outside of the Big Ten and SEC in terms of desirability. Yeah, and that's the why University of Washington. I mean, that's why if the thought was if there was any other Pac-12 school, yeah, that would come along, it would be yeah. Washington. Yeah, but you know, Stanford has outstanding academics, of course. They yeah. have outstanding sports. They're ranked number one. You know, I I see so many different rank. I've seen, I've seen UCLA ranked number one. I've seen Berkeley ranked number one. I've seen Michigan ranked number one, and now I'm seeing Stanford in this article ranked number one. I think they're all very close, and it's, and it's just based it's based on criteria, and they're all and criteria can be different depending on who's doing the selections. It's a very interesting though that they are using football attendance as a major uh, thing to consider when there are schools like Illinois where basketball is huge, but. No matter how popular basketball is, it well, cannot compare to the potential revenue that football brings in. Well, what causes potential? What causes realignment? Football. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Exactly. Basketball. Listen, Kansas won the national championship 
and they're at the very bottom of this ranking, very bottom. Well, the only one below uh, Kansas is Houston, if, and Houston's got a good basketball program too. But if they were suddenly in the Pac-12, what, where would you put Gonzaga? They don't even what? They don't even have football, right? No, they don't have football. You, you see, but that's that's my point, and I think your point too. I don't know where they would well, land. An entire Big East that doesn't have foot, it doesn't have any football. Exactly. And I mean, they're it, basketball schools, but they they don't participate very much in terms of income either. Yeah, but the, not not to the level that the Big Ten schools are getting. Gonzaga is one of the best basketball programs in the country, sustained for years. Yeah, twenty with years or without championships. Yeah, yeah, doesn't matter. I mean, no. they, they make some money off it, and they're a private no, this, school. This but. is strictly a football uh, thing. I mean, it's, when you when you talk about the Power sixty nine now, it is sixty nine. Uh, you're talking strictly about football. But he includes all sports in this. And by the way, Illinois ranks 50th out of 69 in all sports. Even with a good basketball program, the rest of the sports are pulling them down. I mean, you know, Illinois has got new coaches in, in uh, swimming and uh, women's swimming this year. they got a new coach in track. I mean, they're, they're going to have a new coach in, in, uh, in uh, gymnastics. I mean, Illinois has been... Now, I shouldn't say that, but gymnastics has been a good program under spring, but my point is that Illinois overall is not living up. And he stated, now this is Forty saying this in, as part of the article, if the Big Ten ever decided to drop two schools that are current members, those two would be Rutgers and Illinois. That's, that's I'm just repeating what he said, what he wrote in Sports Illustrated. I think this thing... This article is going to get a lot of, a lot of readership because I just jumped all over it as soon as I saw it. I, I don't know if there's ever precedent. Uh, Evan asked the question, is there precedent ever of booting schools no. out of conferences? No, no, I don't think. I've, I, don't, I can't remember any being kicked out. Uh, you know, SMU maybe because they, they got so much trouble with the NCAA years yeah. ago. But maybe I, I, I suppose it's happened in the past, but I don't. Uh, I know teams pull out all the time, but um, I, I don't know any that have been thrown out lately, not in the modern era. Somebody can tell me where, I, where I'm missing one because I'm sure it could have happened, but I can't remember any. Yeah, but there is talk of um, there has been thrown out there that at some point in the future there might be tiers of yeah. football. That's why Josh Whitman is working so hard to get Illinois back on the track in a whole variety of sports, because if they go to tears, there will be T A R S here too, as well <laughs> as T I T E I R. Yeah. No, I mean, if you were to ask, you know, what are the top football programs in the country? Illinois is not in that. I'm not even talking your Ohio State, Alabama level, but just your solid top football programs. They're not in it yet. They want to be. They're making. Uh, headway toward it, but they have a long way to go. And I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. You wrote the column about more people need to just show up. And well, and they're not going to show up. I mean, there, there's just nothing that to to get this thing started without winning games. The only thing that will get them back is winning games. Mm -hmm. All the efforts, you know, all other efforts are just we start winning basketball games, and what happened? We're selling out all over the place in this in the arena. Mm -hmm. 
And the same will happen. A lot of those empty seats we have seen in the past are, are being. Taken. The same will happen with women's basketball. If they start winning, they'll get more uh, people in attendance. Yeah, but you got to win first. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and Underwood uh, pulled it off. And But Illinois has all, you know, it doesn't take that many players to be good in basketball. And we, Illinois has been good in the past. I mean, we were really good in the 80s. We were pretty good in the 90s. We were certainly. The best, you know, in the country in 2005, had that that uh, those teams that that self had were terrific. And then, of course, when Weber took over for him in, in 2004 and 2005, Illinois won the Big Ten. So, it isn't like Illinois has never been good in basketball, but boy, it's been a long time since Illinois has been good in some sports, in some other sports. Mm-hmm. And women's basketball, I don't know. Is it fair to say we've never been really very good? I mean, we've made it into the tur- playoffs, but that's about it. I mean, Sweet 16 would be phenomenal, and that's where mm-hmm. they'd been yeah. in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, but uh, year in, year out, sustained, considered a a blue blood power program, no. That hasn't been the case. Maybe it'll be different. They, I, You know, just to, you know, to get to a point where they're competitive – where they're not getting blown out this upcoming year and the years to come here with Shauna Green, where they get moved to respectable records in the Big Ten and, you know, eventually start making the tournament. And I don't know, maybe that's next year, maybe that's in three years. Well, years have passed since Missouri was wanted to get in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten declined and Missouri went to the SEC. Now, if any guy, if if anybody is going to get thrown out of the SEC, yes, who it is? Missouri and Vanderbilt. <laughs> the Vanderbilt's great in academics and terrible in everything else, I guess. Except for baseball. Yeah, that's right. Baseball is really good. Gee, I wonder why. Well, why? What What is the reason? Because they could pay for players. They They have all kinds of academic aid as a private school, and is that and, what it is oh, that yeah. they can pay more? Yeah. I mean, certainly you got to. You got to coach, and you got to develop, and you got to you got to play the games. You know, but they get the best talent. So we're stuck paying partials here at Illinois, and they're able to pay more than partials. Yes, because they can give academic aid in ways that a public school can't. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. But now you know. I mean, NIL that that's a whole new game changer too with in the world of college baseball. All right, uh, golf the open. The old course, yeah. Rory Spears. He'll join us. We're going to talk a little bit about that on this uh, July Thursday. Stay with us. You've got Sports Talk here on DWS, and I'm Scott Patey along with Lauren Tate, time to talk a little bit about the links with our guy Rory Spears, host of Golfers on Golf Radio on WCPT Golf uh, Radio up in uh, Chicago, and also uh, heads up the content on golfersongolf.com. The last major of the year at the old course out there over, over across the pond. Rory, thank you so much for uh, having us. We tried to get Rory McElroy on, but he hmm. said he was too busy, so we decided to go with the second-best Rory we know. <laughs> well, you know what? He's pretty busy uh, ringing up birdies today, and when you start the first hole with a 55-foot downhill birdie putt, uh, it just has a way of igniting your round, and I, I think that's what it did for him. Uh, he went from 
being really disgusted with himself on his approach shot to that green to uh, using uh, the next shot, that putt, uh, to really uh, light a fire under his round. Uh, he's in second place, two shots back. Uh, all of the betting houses uh, over there in uh, the UK, Scotland, Ireland, uh, London, so forth, uh, say that he is the betting favorite. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he came away with the Claret Chug on Sunday. Well, I was always taught, you know, try to get your first putt within five feet, <laughs> not within 50, you know, and uh, he, I guess that's a gimme for him now, especially going downhill. You know, and then on the flip side, I mean, Jordan Spieth, he's considered a Lynx specialist, and there he was trying to figure out how to hit a ball out of a bush, not under a bush, but a bush, and eventually uh, got to drop. Um, I, you know, I think there's something about it, no matter if you're the most casual, the most serious player, you see somebody like Jordan Spieth end up in a spot like that, and and you remind it reminds you how the game humbles you, and and nobody can really master it. Well, I'll tell you what, there are so many things that can happen on those Lynx style golf courses over there, and you know to see Jordan Spieth end up in a gorse bush. Uh, which, you know, you got to be careful around those things. They uh, are extremely sharp. And so you don't just go reaching in to grab your ball out of there. You might want to use a, a club to kind of pull it out. And I think which is what he did before they, uh, before they took the unplayable drop. But uh, anybody who's uh, been around Gorse knows how, how sharp that is. And if you want to cut your hand up, just reach into one of those bushes and, uh, try to grab a golf ball. You know, I got to, got to see it firsthand out at uh, Bandon Dunes for the first time. They actually have gorse, believe it or not, growing there in Oregon. And uh, they actually sell a gorse wine, believe it or not. You can buy a bottle of that stuff in the uh, old McDonald uh, pro shop out there. I was tempted, but hmm. somebody said uh, also uh, don't light that stuff on fire uh, because it will burn. And, uh, at a very hot temperature as well. But yeah, you know, the the whole concept of, of what happens over there in Lynx Golf, you can hit a great shot, but you know, with those firm and fast fairways, the ball can run out, it, it can end up anywhere. And uh, you know, you're in one of those sidewall bunkers, uh, it can be an adventure to get out of them. Jordan Spieth is known as a Lynx specialist. When you see that somebody's a Lynx specialist, what makes them so? Well, you know what? It, it's somebody who probably has a very good wind game. And you know what? They've always said that about the players who come out of Texas. You know, the Ben Crenshaws, the Tom Kites, and, and, and guys like that. And as they say, they play in that stuff all the time down there. And, of course, uh, you know, Jordan, Jordan Spieth has, uh, has his roots down there as well. And you know what? He, uh, he still lives there. So... Uh, he gets out, and he gets a, he gets a heavy dose of uh, playing in the wind. And, you know, I know we call ourselves the Windy City up here in Chicago, but, uh, you know, summer golf in Texas, believe it or not, the, uh, the winds blow down there uh, a heck of a lot worse than they, they do up here in the uh, Chicago area. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of what they, uh, they look at is uh, who can navigate the wind and also more often than not, since you don't have to, uh, shape your ball inside the trees to hit the fairway or go over a tree occasionally. Uh, it's usually people that uh, are pretty darn good out of the bunker as well because links courses usually have more sand traps and uh, 
Jordan Spieth has proven that a few times, including that incredible shot from the bunker he hit uh, to get his first title at the John Deere Classic. We're talking with Rory Spears from GolfersOnGolf.com. Oh, Rory, this is Lauren. Uh, uh, I see Rory and Tiger have had comments about the LIV players, and but it seems to me that the, there's after the discussions of the te- television, is just treating them like anybody else, and and it's rolling right along normally, isn't it? Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Uh, okay. Uh, Lauren. Uh, you know what? We've seen a lot of, for lack of better terms, unprofessionalism from the RNA this week when it comes to the LIV players. Uh, one of the smartest things that I have heard said was by Rory McIlroy uh, within the last week when he suggested it was time uh, for both sides to sit down and have some peace talks. But, you know, during the week, the LIV series players, uh, I don't believe, were called to the uh, media center to do uh, press conferences in advance of the tournament. Uh, and pretty much the only coverage that their players got today, uh, Dustin Johnson got a, a fair amount of coverage. But mm-hmm. uh, if one of the live players was in a bunker somewhere, uh, they'd show that. But they didn't show any of those guys uh, making putts, hitting good shots. And they did show uh, the fact that when uh, Ian Poulter uh, was on the first tee. There was some booze in his introduction from uh, his home fans over there. So, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I've seen a lot of cheapness, pettiness, and uh, and the USA Network partnered up with NBC this week on the broadcast. Just uh, when it came to that stuff, um, you know, really poor coverage. Really disappointed at their lack of professionalism. Yeah, I, I don't. I, did they show Mickelson at all? Uh, somebody uh, said that uh, online, I noticed, I watched a lot of the coverage, never saw any of Phil Mickelson. Phil was out early, though, and uh, someone said that uh, uh, the, only, uh, the only coverage time he got was uh, hitting, hitting out of one of the deep bunkers. That was it. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. I, you know, and, I did and watch. It's so funny, you, you, you mentioned Phil right now, and if you're watching uh, highlights from the day, the Golf Channel right now is showing Phil Mickelson, and what do they have him doing? Hitting out of a bunker. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I didn't notice it in the broadcast itself. I watched it, uh, quite a bit of it, too, but I guess I was looking for more. Uh, uh, you know, at least the announcers weren't making any particular comments about it, but you're, what you're talking about is the selection of the of the coverage, uh, that, that they're not really covering them as maybe as, as they would have in the past. Well, uh, no, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see as, uh, you know, the weekend goes forward. You know, you, you'd love to see one or two of these uh, live players in, in the top five on Sunday, and, and we'll see how much TV time they get. <laughs> Something to look forward to if you're, if you're watching on Sunday morning. Uh, any other aspect to it today that, uh, that kind of jumped out at you? Uh, by the way, I, I, yeah, I, one thing that I'm noticing is McElroy's playing better over a period of time. I thought there was a lull in his game, if you go back a couple of years, right up and going into this year. And and then all of a sudden, am I wrong there? No, not, not at all. And, you know, a lot of it changed when he made his initial equipment jump uh, away from Titleist to Nike and 
all of a sudden he went in a dry spell. It took him over a year to win a tournament, and then he, you know, he finally wins a tournament. But I believe it's they're saying now his streak is something like 28 majors in a row without a title. And you know, it's uh, he's of course, uh, you know, when when Nike folded on on making clubs, uh, you know, Rory ended up over at uh, TaylorMade. And you know what? You, you just never know sometimes whether guys get comfortable with new equipment. And I know when you talk about the best players in the world, they say, well, these guys can play anything. And, and they can to a point. But I've had numerous pros tell me that, you know, they've gotten, they've gotten money over the years and the company could just never get the feel and the balance and the waiting right the way that they wanted to play their clubs and and that can happen and and the biggest change uh, all of these pros will tell you is that the adjustment on the golf ball is even tougher than the equipment so you know it'll be interesting to see uh, you know any player uh you know how fast they can settle in if they're playing a new golf ball and you know in rory's case uh, that that was the other thing besides the equipment he, he switched golf balls here a couple of times as well but you know, the way he finished at Augusta with that second-place finish, holding out that bunker shot on 18, it just seemed to jumpstart his season. And, you know, he's he's been good ever since, and uh, we'll just hope it keeps going and, and would love to see him close out the career Grand Slam next year at Augusta National. Rory Spears with us, Golfers on Golf is a host of golfers uh, golfers on golf radio as well on AMA 20 up in Chicago. Rory, we got to see you a couple of weeks ago down here at the Atkins Golf Club for the unveiling of that kind of a preview round that we were able to uh, go out and experience. What was your takeaways being down here in Urbana for that? Well, I uh, really enjoyed my day out on the Atkins course and I really liked the work that uh, you know, the Illinois golf staff, you know, Coach Mike Small and uh, architect, uh, you know, Drew Rogers did on the golf course. And I, I think it's not only going to be great for the Illini golf teams, but just, you know, people who like to play golf and the Illini alums, uh, you know, if they're coming down uh, for any any reason at all, football game, whatever, any time of the year when the Weather's nice enough for the golf course to be open. They'll, they'll enjoy the Atkins course. They really will. I thought it was a lot of fun, and it's not overpriced. And, you know, uh, anytime you can go somewhere and really find a, you know, a top-notch uh, golf course, and I, I believe the top green fee that I saw, 18 holes in a cart, uh, even on a weekend at, at $79, that's, that's really fairly priced. So, I, I, you know, it's a good golf course, and I think everybody that goes and play it will enjoy it. And I think when they uh, hold that invitational golf tournament uh, next spring, right before the Big Ten Championships, the schools that are coming uh, will look forward to uh, competing there. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Mike Small and everybody else involved at the golf club will have the golf course set up uh, long and challenging for those long-hitting college players. But uh, I, I think all the players will really enjoy it. Maybe you caught wind of all the college realignment going on and Illinois and the Big Ten now bringing in USC and UCLA. But Mike Small told us it may have minimal impact when it comes to the college golf world, um, or at least for Illinois, because you're not playing a conference schedule, as it were, anyway. Uh, But now you've got two notable schools in the golf world that 
are, are a part of the Big Ten. Yeah, they are. Uh, both of those schools, USC, UCLA, have, have good college uh, programs. But uh, I do remember um, back here at the NCAA National Championships at uh, Rich Harvest Farms, I believe we got down to the match play and uh, the quarterfinals, and uh, the Illini uh, took down USC, who was uh, uh, rated number one in the country at the time, headed into, uh, in, into the NCAA championships. So, again, both those schools have great programs, but uh, as everybody in Champaign knows, uh, the Illini have a pretty good golf program too. And, and, you know, you're right. It's not like, okay, we got to figure out, you know, uh, when are we going to fly out to California just to play 18 holes against, you know, USC or UCLA and then turn around and get on the plane and come back. Plus, uh, in the, in golf terms, there's been a lot of invitationals that Illinois gets invited to and those schools get invited to. So they, they have seen each other before. And uh, more often than not, uh, they're not really head-to-head recruiting for a lot of players, uh, you know, those schools like you might be against other Big Ten schools that are in the Midwest. So, But I'm sure it'll be fun uh, when they run across each other in uh, invitationals or uh, perhaps, uh, shall we say, in the postseason of NCAA mm-hmm. golf. Yeah, I, I think Mike mentioned that uh, they do meet a couple of times in the, in the tournament. He's got a whole schedule of things. They go somewhere every weekend, you know, once they, got, once they start the, the season. And um, I think that he said they, they will run across him. You know, I wonder, when I bring this up, we're talking about the, the, the regular season's scheduling for golf. I wonder if other sports will lean that way in terms of Rather than have a a, a a schedule like we've been used to, whether they will have because going back and forth for USC and UCLA all the time is it, with Rutgers and Maryland on the other end, it just doesn't make sense to me. I I I, I can see the big uh, season-ending uh, tournaments with baseball and softball and that, but I just can't see whole baseball and softball teams traveling back and forth that much. What do you think? You know, I, I agree with, I agree with you there. As a matter of fact, the day the news broke, I was down in the Quad Cities at the uh, John Deere Classic, and a couple members of the uh, Sports Information Department for the University of Iowa uh, were there, and uh, they were asked, uh, hey, what do you guys think? And uh, one of them suggested that uh, that may not sit well with their head football coach, Kirk Ferentz, who uh, purposely, you know, sometimes when schools are scheduling some of these games, before you get into conference play, uh, he never really, uh, he doesn't like going out to the West Coast uh, or Arizona or anywhere out there where you're going to play a Saturday night game and then have to get on the plane and, you know, maybe get your kids back to school at five or six o'clock in the morning on Sunday. That's uh, not something that he was ever comfortable with. And of course, uh, perhaps now it uh, it might be something that, uh, you know, comes to be in a few years. So uh, we'll see. And And I can't believe that, uh, you know, Coach Ferentz would be the only coach of the Big Ten schools that might feel that way. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's not alone. They're all saying they're thrilled, So just so you know. They're all thrilled with this decision, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, read between the lines in some of those press releases. <laughs> hey, Rory, uh, enjoy the, the Open and uh, what's really good golf. And, boy, nobody is in command of that, even though, you know, you guys going eight under today which is stunning. There was some impressive golf, but that course will uh, master anybody. 
instead of the other way well, around if sometimes. The, uh, if you get the wrong end of the draw with the weather conditions, it, it can change things in a hurry. And you never know. All of a sudden, the winds are blowing at 30 miles an hour, and three hours later, uh, it's not blowing at all. So uh, things change. And uh, just a reminder to all the golf fans out there, there is plenty of great tournament golf uh, coming up here in the state you know, over the next couple of weeks. They're all kind of packed in here in July, but we've got the Illinois State Amateur up here at Westmoreland Country Club uh, coming up this week, along with the uh, Women's Western uh, Amateur uh, Championship as well. And then uh, right after that, the Illinois Women's Open, and, and then on the heels of that, the Western Amateur and the Illinois Open. Uh, of course, the Illinois Open coach Mike Small will be uh, competing in that. So there's uh, several great tournaments to go out and watch uh, here over the next three to four weeks. And uh, all of them are fun to go out and see in person. Rory, always enjoy talking with you and uh, getting to play around with you too when that happens. So hopefully that happens again soon and we get to talk again soon. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, enjoy the, enjoy the Open and have a great weekend. You too. That's Rory Spears. You can follow him on Twitter at GOGBlogGuy. That's for Golfers on Golf. He writes at GolfersOnGolf.com and hosts a radio program as well. Yeah, that, that weather down over there, if you have the early tea time, the weather you have could be vastly different over the late tea yeah, time. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, back in a moment. Thanks to Rory Spears for being our guest here on Sports Talk from GolfersOnGolf.com. Appreciate his input. Got a question. Uh, we were talking about Michael Massey, who's made the big league roster for the Kansas City Royals for their series this weekend in Toronto after 10 players unvaccinated are not allowed to play up in Canada. Uh, got a, a texture, uh, maybe the same texture as we've seen before, but a the question was, why is Illinois baseball always mediocre? And I just don't agree with that that statement or that premise of the question. I don't think Illinois baseball is always mediocre. They've never had seasons below 500. And Dan Hartlip, he's a reigning coach of the decade for the Big Ten. Yes, you want more and you shouldn't just be satisfied with winning seasons. I just don't agree that they've always been mediocre. I wouldn't say they've always been mediocre, but this was close to a mediocre year. I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, the only if you if you look at their non-league record, it was really bad. Oh yeah. I mean, and they were down some players early in the season. They sure were. They were down nine players on the, those early trips mm-hmm. because of whatever. But uh, I never did hear the final uh, discussion about whether it was academic or something unacademic. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was non it was not an academic problem. It was something that they did that they shouldn't have done. I don't know what it was. Neither do I. And but anyway, um the problem is the problem is that the pitching is just simply not uh consistently good. And it hasn't been for a couple of years across the league. Yeah. And in some ways across the country, everyone was noted, you know, ERAs were even higher this past year. Bats were ahead of pitchers. Pitchers lost a year from COVID. They lost another year trying to get back into it, especially in the Big Ten when they didn't have a full schedule. So, Well, I thought at the end of the season, Illinois was poised to make a little, perhaps to make a little run, but they just lost every game. 
mm-hmm. as did the softball team. The softball team was having a really nice season, and all yeah. of a sudden, boom, 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 they just lost every game. It was a flame out, unfortunately. They were playing mm-hmm. really well. We were talking about where team have teams ever been kicked out of conferences. Yeah. Uh, Joey Wright r- reminded me that <laughs> this is kind of not what you're thinking, but St. Thomas up in, in Minnesota was a D3 program, and they were kicked out of their conference up there because they were always winning. They were too good, and they've since made the move into Division One play in the Summit League in all their sports. But th- that I nobody's going to get kicked out of a conference for winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. No. I, I bet there's some schools that would say, yeah, maybe Ohio State, it's fine if you leave. <laughs> but what about the University of Chicago? When well, they left the of their own accord. They just didn't want to fool around with sports when they had so many academic things to do. Yeah. I mean, they were part of the AU. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they origi- it originated in Chicago with the University of Chicago, a primary leader among the 13 schools that met in 1900. And they continued to play football all those years up until uh, they decided they'd had enough. It is Sports Talk here on a Thursday. If you want to chime in with anything, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217-351-5357. Back after this. Almost a halftime of Sports Talk on this Thursday. Next hour, Matt Fortuna from The Athletic covering college football nationally as well as the Big Ten. And his latest insights on Notre Dame and more. Evan will be in. we got more baseball chatter. We've done some golf here today, Lauren. We also talked about that Pat Forty article on desirability. Illinois would desire to be higher in the desirability index, according to Pat well, there, Forty. There but more, more than one way to... to uh, to select the criteria, okay? I mean, yeah. Sagarin is one way to judge football programs. There's other ways other than Sagarin, and, the, and there are a variety of academic rankings. As I said, I've told just in the last week, I've seen where uh, four different schools are ranked number one in the country among public schools. And uh, UCLA and Berkeley were two of them. I know mm-hmm. that, and Michigan was one. And now I see Stanford. He ranks Stanford number one in today's thing. So. I, you know, when you give a number, you know it's just maybe it's in a general general number, but nothing specific. Appreciate it, sir. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. 